0: Listening to a sermon audio from Cyprus Church. You can listen to more sermons on our website or by subscribing to our podcast on iTunes. We hope you enjoy the sermon and invite you to attend one of our services at 9 and 10:30 AM on Sunday mornings. Good morning. So glad you could be here this morning. My name is Mike, one of the pastors here, and just glad to be able to share God's word with you this morning. Why don't you take your Bibles? Uh, and open up to the book of Mark, Mark is found in the New Testament Matthew Mark if you don 't have a Bible with you this morning, our wonderful ushers, amazing ushers that have a stack of Bibles in their hands are coming down the aisle. Just wave at them they 'd be happy to let you have a loaner there. encourage you to uh, use it and then just leave it there when you 're done and uh, encourage you always to bring a Bible with you when you come Sunday. we look into it a lot and also want to encourage you to uh, take out your worship folder that you received when you came in here there 's a lot of things in there there 's a Connection card and love to for you to fill up that. That prayer request is important. Steve will tell you about that towards the end of the time. And uh, there's a brochure about serving. Steve will tell you about that in a minute. And then, of course, why don't you take out the outline that's there? Uh, there's some blanks to fill in. The answers will be up on the screen as we kind of walk through this together, so you can jot down some notes. But I do, as a um, pretty much every time I get up to teach, I share a lot of extra verses. Some some people ask, Mike, why do you share so many verses? Well, because I want you to actually look them up, you know, and and learn how to navigate through the Bible. But sometimes you have a hard time writing down all the extra verses. So that's why we've given you this uh, cheat sheet. Well, it's really called a study guide. On one half, it's all the answers to the fill in the blanks, plus all the extra verses on there are listed on the back. On the other side, it is a study guide that you can use for personal Bible study this week. Kind of asking some extra questions of that. Many of our life groups, our small groups, use this as they're kind of tying together. And if you're interested in being involved in a life group, a small group, just take that uh, connection card and say, Hey, I'd like to get involved in a life group. Uh, And then we can send you some more information about what ones are available. We do have one that meets right here at our church at 7 o'clock. On uh, Tuesday nights And would love you to join that I help lead that on occasion And and, uh, involved in that And so if you'd like to come to that Just come to the church There's signs that show you How to get to where That life group is But do encourage you with that And glad that you're here The the Sunday after Easter A wonderful time We had a wonderful Easter season Here at Cyprus And and in our different campuses uh, All around Uh, What a great week Of celebrating all Jesus did To bring us that new life And I love how Second Corinthians chapter five verse seventeen kind of just brings it all together. It says, "Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old, the old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. See, Easter revealed that life—a new truth—that for us, that new life is found in Christ." It's trusting in and having faith in who Jesus is and what he has done for us. Uh, that concept of being in Christ, it's not other things that bring us that, those dreams of life. It's really just Christ. And matter of fact, Paul believed in that so much that all the way through the old, uh, the New Testament, which he wrote more, most of it, uh, over 160 times he uses the phrase "in Christ" or "in Christ alone" or "or with Christ." And in some sense of that, he uses that in there because there's great truths in Christ. Uh, let me just give you a few of them. In Christ, we have. Every spiritual blessing is Ephesians 1, 3. And again, you can write that down, look it up later. Talk about We have every blessing in Christ Jesus. And that the idea is is that as we trust in who Christ is and, and what he has done for us, that blessing is, is, comes to us and that, that sense of blessing comes to us not by what we do, not by our actions, but our, our faith and trust in Christ alone. In the same way, there is forgiveness, that, that freshness of being forgiven. As, as Ephesians 1.7 talks about that, that, there's great forgiveness in Christ, that sense, ah, oh, and we all have that sense because we've all sinned and fallen sore of the glory of God. We need God's forgiveness. And that freshness is found. It's not found by trying to... <clears throat> work away the, the, the sin debt that we have or try to gain forgiveness by some action we do it's given only in Christ Jesus and it's in Christ that that dream of life is made and, and in Christ all things hold together I love Colossians 1-7 as it, it explains Christ as he is the creator of all things and it says in verse 17 in Colossians 1 in him all things hold together see the reality of life is a lot of times in life things are falling apart aren't they? Uh, You know, relationships fall apart, our work falls apart. You know, when we get older, we fall apart, and uh, uh, different things happen, and and, and life gets that way. Families fall apart, and all kinds of things happen. and, And we just want something to hold us together, and Jesus does that. He does that in life. He's the great holder togetherer of everything, one child says. as They read that verse. I love that. In Christ it's found. It's not in what we do or some magic formula with each one of those things. It's in Christ. In the same way, in Christ, we are matured in faith, as Colossians uh, 128 says. That, 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 that Our maturity is not by, you know, oh, going to this Bible study, going to that Bible study, memorizing that verse. Those are all good things. But the maturity and growth in faith always comes in Christ. He is the one who grows us up in faith. It's in Christ that that happens. And in Christ, there is power for life, as Second Timothy 1, one just gives forth. In Christ is where we are truly living the dream. Yeah, we have that phrase uh, that comes to us, you know, people hear that phrase, you know, they're on vacation, you know, feet propped up and on the beach saying, I'm living the dream, or, or they just landed this, this great job and they're sitting there with their desk and all the stuff around them, I'm living the dream, or driving that new car. That, yet, living the dream is far beyond those superficial ideals. Uh, there's a dream that God has for us And, and he has a wonderful dream for us as a matter of fact, David just talked about it When he read Psalm or Jeremiah 29 11 For I know the plans I have for you Declares the Lord Plans for great things, not for bad things To give us a, a hope and a future And God has an amazing Dream of a life for us As we yield to him In trust and, and in following him Because it's found In Christ But regardless if we're Following Jesus or not, we still have dreams and hopes and ambitions. These aspirations motivate us, encourage us, inspire us. They also reveal. They reveal our values. They reveal what's center in our life, what's central in our life. They reveal our inner longings. And, and they reveal where we find our significance. And the interesting reality is even good dreams can turn into nightmares as those dreams take the place of God in our lives. This tendency to make a a good thing the ultimate thing is the unfortunate side effect of our sin nature, our bent in life. As we seek fulfillment and significance in something rather than God, in that dream rather than God. And yet in Christ is where we truly are living the dream. In Christ, it's that simple. But simple doesn't mean easy. Remember, Jesus made some not-so-easy, audacious claims that he is the bread of life. He is the, the sustenance of life. That if you want to the fuel for life, it's not found in all these other dreams. It's found just simply in him. He also said that he's the light of the world. That he's the one that, that gives us guidance and direction in life. He's the one that actually illuminates. Not some you know, uh, notion of insight or, or, or some guru over here. It's Jesus is the one who is the light of the world. And he even said that true life, real life is found in him. That he is the way, the truth, and the life. And he provides eternal life and our only way to God. Those are pretty crazy claims. Matter of fact, people actually felt like he was crazy. If you're in Mark chapter 3, just look over. We're going to be looking at verse 31 to to 35. But just look over to verse 21. It says, when his family heard it, they they heard all the claims that Jesus was making. That Ha! He's claiming to be Messiah! (laughs) People thought he was nuts. The crazy part is he was. Not nuts, but he was Messiah. And all the things that he said about it are true. And what's great about Easter is that Easter is that giant exclamation point, that validation point that all Jesus' claims are true. He said, I'm going to come back from the dead. And woo, Easter Sunday, we celebrate that. The truth is that every Sunday is Easter Sunday because he's still alive. It's not just Easter Sunday he's alive. He's alive this Sunday and next Sunday and the next Sunday. And he is, he's alive. He's living and he's in the world today. And he's as alive as you and I are alive. Just can't see his bodily form right now. But Jesus is alive. And that exclamation point proves that he is true. But back then, people thought he was nuts, crazy. He says that when his family heard it, all that he was saying, they went out to seize him. For they were saying, he is out of his mind. That's, you know, Bible talk for he's crazy. Well, in Mark chapter 3, verse 31 to 35, Jesus' family were seeking to seize him. His family came because it was their immediate responsibility. Because family back then, the extended family, in much the sense of the nation, were a collective we. We. This sense of family was seen as a top priority, an intense sense of family first. But it was even more as people perceive themselves as an interconnected group, responsible to the group for all aspects of the group, for identity and belonging and life in general. Less focus on individuality, as, as some in the West feel, uh, but more a sense of group. And that sense of group, there was also built in an exclusivity, an exclusiveness, an identity with that exclusiveness, especially with the uh, 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 family of Abraham or, or the Isra- Israelites. They were saying, we are God's people and you're, and you're not. That's why when you read the Bible and it, and it talks about how despised the Israelis were or, or the Jews were about Samaria... Uh, because the Samaritans were half-breeds. They were half-Jew, half-Gentile. And, you know, Jewish found there was very exclusive. You, you know, you didn't relate to anybody else. And there was an exclusivity there, certainly against Samaritans, but also the rest of us Gentiles. There was this, this exclusiveness. Now, yes, God did call them to be sanctified or set apart. In other words, don't get caught up in wrong living. But he never intended them to be segregated. And Christ emphasized that. matter of fact, write down John 17. You you can read the whole chapter later, but mostly uh, focusing in on on verse 15, where it talks about uh, Jesus said, as he's praying for uh, his followers, he's saying to God, God, don't take them out of the world. In other words, don't, don't, don't segregate them out of the world, but just keep them from the evil one. That's where the phrase comes out of that, being in the world and not of it. It's, that's not of the Bible, but, but it's, it's the, the idea of that, that God wants us to be in the world, but just not involved in all the worldly activities that's there. To be separate in that sense, but not segregated. But our sin nature pulls us to be exclusive, not inclusive. All along, God's intent has been and is for us His people to be inclusive. As a matter of fact, Israel was supposed to be this nation that was to bring the world that sense of who God is. Out of Israel would come a savior to save the world, but also Israel was to kind of show off how amazing God is. God would bless Israel and and, and in hopes that all the other nations would see, hey, look, here's Israel. They have the one true God. Why don't you guys go check it out? But the problem is, Israel became exclusive. Well, Well, he's my God. You know, not your God, my God. And even the idea of, a, of Jerusalem was supposed to be the city on a hill where people would look at that and notice God. Matter of fact, even the temple, as we learned on Palm Sunday, was to be open so that even people who are not Jews could look in and see how amazing God is and all the, the sense of worship in that and be drawn to God. But they took the great dream of inclusivity that God had in a Nations centered on God and turned it into their national dream where the goal was self-centered and exclusive. And we do the same thing with a number of areas and dreams of life, with our finances and money and politics and power and success and entertainment and food and even family. We can take God's great dreams in these areas and make them the ultimate thing and seek fulfillment and significance in something rather than God. Jesus knows what's best for us. Remember, in Him is the uh, dreams of life. And He has dreams for our lives. And He has said to come to Him in Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 to 30. He says, Come to me all you are weary and heavy laden. And I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. His way of life upon you. For his way is light. In other words, that it, it is a simple way of life. For in Christ, all the dreams of life fall into place. As Matthew 6, 33 and 34 talk about that. That if we seek him, everything falls into place. Instead, those dreams, instead of those dreams becoming the ultimate thing, Jesus is the ultimate thing and our true heart's desires are met, and we are living the dream in Christ. That's Jesus' hope for us, to find our joy and our hope and our belonging and our security and our acceptance and love in Him, not in those other areas. And so here in Mark chapter 3, verses 31 to 35, Jesus takes the opportunity to, in a sense, dethrone family from that ultimate thing, idle place in our life that it tends to be, and gives us a greater dream for an expanded, inclusive family sense centered on Him, giving us three family matters to be living the dream. And So I'd like us us to look into that, and if you wouldn't mind putting your books aside, let's stand up, pray, ask God to challenge us, and we just spend a few minutes looking at this little interesting passage. I'm glad you're here. I know God has something for you. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Just for the reality uh, that life Centered on you is really where we're living the dream. And yet, Lord, it's so easy to place good things in that ultimate place and think that that'll be the satisfaction. If if I only had whatever, I would be fulfilled. And yet, Lord, if we only have you, we're fulfilled. And so Lord, as we walk through this today, challenge each one of us at our point of need. Convict and move and motivate and encourage and all of that, Lord, through your word today this morning, we pray in your Son's name. Amen. Have a seat, and hopefully you're taking out that outline and walking through this as we look at these three family matters to live in the dream. The first to live in the dream shows as family is centered on Jesus. Let's look at this passage here. Remember, Jesus' mother and brothers are trying to seize him because they think he's crazy, and here's what happens. Verse 31, And his mother... And his brothers came and standing outside, Jesus was evidently inside. Uh, they sent to him and called to him, and, and a crowd was sitting around him. And they said to him, Your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. Now we'll get to that part about the mothers and brothers in a moment, but I want you to notice something in verse 32. And the crowd was sitting around him. This was a, a sign of honor, of humility of allegiance and loyalty to Jesus. This, this sitting around Jesus, being at Jesus' feet is seeing Jesus as important for who he is. It's that sense of being in Christ for trusting and having faith in who he is and, and believing and trusting and having faith in, about who he is and what he's done for us. It's seeing Jesus as who he is. Just a couple of things. One is that he is Savior. If you remember back in Luke chapter eleven, it's, it's the the announcing the angels announcing to the shepherds of Jesus that unto you is born this day in the city of David in Bethlehem is a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The angels were saying that that a Savior has come, the one who. Is the way out of the deep issues of our lives. Uh, we, we have a lot of issues in life, you know. Some are on the surface, you know, issues of trying to finances and some relationship things and all kinds of. that, but, but a lot of times there's these really deep issues of life, things like insecurity, and acceptance, inner stress, loneliness, fear and most certainly sin, we all feel it. You know that time alone? (laughs) And that sense that's gnawing at you and you start thinking about life and there's some deep issues there that you can't seem to figure out how to fix it. No matter how hard you try, it just doesn't seem to work. The truth is you need a savior. And you know what? We have one. His name is Jesus. <laughs> the angel said it. He came to be a savior. The, 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 the idea is, let him. You know, if you're drowning out here and I need somebody to save from me, and, you know, somebody says, I'll help you. No, no, I, I, I want to do it on my own. You know, you're just drowning. You know. <laughs> He's there and willing if we let him. He is also Lord. I, I love the, the the scene that we looked at, at on Easter Sunday in John chapter 20. Uh, the, the story of Thomas. You remember Thomas. He was... One of the disciples, and he was not there when Jesus appeared after he was resurrected. You know, the, the disciples all saw him, but Thomas, and they were, you, I can't believe this Jesus is alive. And they're going around telling everybody, and Thomas going, I've not, unless I see it for myself, you know, see the nail prints in his hands, and put my hand inside, I'm not going to believe. And then whoosh, Jesus shows up and says, Hey, Thomas, believe. And, and I don't know, the scripture doesn't say it, but I, I know I would dropped to his knees and he proclaimed, my Lord and my God. Lord, meaning master, owner, leader, coach, boss. <clears throat> if he is, then the key is to listen and to follow, to do what he did. This this process uh, of allegiance to Jesus reminds me of a story of of, uh, of Mary and Martha. And you, you could look it up later, Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to around 42. I love this scene. Jesus uh, gets invited over to Martha and Mary's house. Now, I don't know if, you know, this was the first Martha Stewart, you know, but... Uh, but, but Mary and Martha invited Jesus over to the house, and, and, and Martha is, you know, she is mistasked. She's rolled up her sleeves, and she's cleaning the house from top to the bottom, and she's setting out all the different things. She's making the food and all in the kitchen, and she's just, you know, sweating. She's making it happen, and all of a sudden, she looks out, and she sees Mary, not doing a thing, but sitting at the feet of Jesus and just soaking in Christ, She's listening to his teachings, and she's gaining a greater sense of who he is. And and Martha begins to get really frustrated at this. So instead of of going to Mary and saying, Mary, come here, come here, can you help me? No, she goes right to Jesus. Jesus, can you tell Mary to get up off her rear end and start helping me out here? And I love how Jesus, you know, you can just see that smile, smile that just melts any kind of frustration and that twinkle in his eye most likely puts his hand on Martha and says, Martha, Martha, Martha. Why do you worry about so many things? Yeah, they need to get done and we'll get them done, but I'm not here for that long. And really, Mary, she's doing what the right thing is. To sit at my feet, to soak in who I am, and to listen to my teachings. You know, we do the same thing. We have Martha all over us. <laughs> I got I to gotta get everything ready. I got to be really busy with, the, with life. I got to get on with this thing that Jesus wants me to do, and I just got to be busy, 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 busy. And I'm involved in this ministry, this ministry, this ministry, and, I, and I'm going to volunteer in the office, and I'm going to, woo, and I just, woo, and there's just so much going on that we forget we need to stop sometimes and soak in Jesus. Because when we're sitting at his feet, it's that sense that he is center. I want to just laser lock my attention on him and soak him in and and understand in greater who he is and what he has done and, and all about him in life. His life is not some list of complicated rules. It's very simple Not easy, but simple. His way of life is three ways, three things. Love God. Matthew chapter 22, verse verse, uh, 39, or 37. Jesus says, the greatest thing we can do is to love God with our heart, mind, body, and soul. We're to love God. And that's expressed through, through learning and worshiping. Worship is not just singing. Worship is also living a life of obedience. And then to love our neighbors, as Matthew twenty-two thirty-nine 39 says. The first thing, love God. Second thing, love your neighbors. Those who express it in caring about people around us, sharing Jesus and being the living gospel. The living gospel, gospel meaning good news. In other words, living the good reality of Christ through our neighborhoods. Being kind and courteous and and uh, caring and helpful and, and, and a servant like Jesus. That's living gospel to people. And then to love each other as John 13, 34 says, a new commandment Jesus says, I give to you to love one another as I, Jesus, have loved you. So you're to love one another. It's expressed by enfolding fellow believers into our sense of family. Because all those who sit at Jesus' feet are family. See, family is a lot bigger than what we make it to be. It's, it's not about bloodline or through marriage. It's all who profess allegiance and loyalty to Christ. Family is a lot bigger. And so it's not God, immediate family, church. It's really God, our family in Christ. It's a lot bigger than we think. Yet still fulfilling my God-given responsibilities to my spouse and my kids and parents and so forth. The key is the centrality of Jesus sitting at his feet. So where are you? Are you sitting at his feet? Are you sitting at his feet challenged like Mary to know Jesus and learn from him? So study his word. Attend church. Have a daily devotion. Family devotion is centered on Jesus. Now, Jesus brings up another in Christ family matter that family is inclusive. And he does this by by way of a question. He says this in verse 33. He says, and he answered them, those who were asking, your mother and your brothers are outside, and answering them, verse 33, he says, who are my mother and my brothers? The question is not to diss his mom or his family. Jesus is pro-immediate family too. It's just, it's expanded a lot larger than we think it is. But in, in, in John nineteen twenty seven when Jesus is on the cross, he's, he's suffering, he's, he's suffocating to death, and he's, he's lost a lot of blood, and even in the midst of his suffering, he looks down and sees his mom and his best friend, John, and he says to John, behold your mother. And he says to his mother, Mary, behold your son. See, while he was on the cross, even in the midst of all of his suffering, he did not forget to honor his mother. But here, Jesus is seeking to dethrone the current exclusive family. That notion that everything and anything can be found through family. Salvation and blessing and righteousness. That's what they thought then, and we're not far from that. We can easily say, if I only had the perfect spouse, (laughs) or had a spouse... Or if I only had the perfect kids or had kids, or if I only had the the, the best parents like those other parents over there, I would be fulfilled. Life would be perfect, and I'd be living the dream. That exclusive view is the issue. For we are to find our fulfillment in Jesus and his sense of family. And Jesus' view of family is inclusive, not exclusive. I love the scene in Luke chapter 18, verse 16. You can read that. Read the verses ahead of that and be, and, and behind it. It, it. The scene is a Jesus, wherever Jesus went, there's gatherings of people. And wherever there's gatherings of people, there's a tons of children. And the children just flock to Jesus. Because you know, there's something about Him that just that joy that just attracted kids. Uh, He was just a lover of kids and they loved Him. And and the the disciples were pushing them away because in that culture, kids and women and strangers were shunned and pushed away. They were actually looked at as less. Not God's intent at all. See, we are all equal, fearfully and wonderfully made by God. In God's image, and regards and regardless of age or race or gender or political preference, no person is better than another. Let, let me repeat that and let that soak in. Regardless of age, race, gender, or political preference, no one purpose, one person is better than another. And yet Jesus dethrones that exclusive idea of family and says Let them come. It's not just the important people that are part of the family. It's all of us who sit at my feet. They're all family. In other words, saying that everybody is welcome. Now, not all choose to be family because family are those who do sit at Jesus' feet and participate in his will. But it's open to all because we're better together. The integration of of the diversity of a larger family helps us to see God better. That diversity, because you have a different slant on God, on your view of God. And when we come together, we can understand God in a little bit better view of togetherness. And that larger view of family stretches us in areas like communication and love and building unity. So we're to be inclusive. I love how 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 and 9 says, Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Don't repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For this you were called, and that blessing means an inclusion. For this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. By being part of God's inclusive family. So get involved. Get in a life group. Invite people to join some of your intimate uh, family gatherings. Do things with other families, and you'll be living the dream God desires you to live. Now, I know when I say this, there are a certain group of people that are going, Yes! <laughs> I love being around people. Man, I am just so excited. I can't wait to meet another person. I love to hang around people. Those people are called extroverts. Now, there's another group of people over here who are not. They are freaked out at what I'm just saying, going, Oh, Mike, I hate the meet and greet time. Someone may actually come up and say hi to me. They're more introverts. Now, one is not better than the other. It's like Legos. You know Legos. You played with Legos, right? There are some Legos that have a, they're, they're long and, and big and they have a lot of snaps on them. Snap, 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 snap. And they can connect with a lot of other Legos. Connect, 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 connect. Now there's some Legos that are, you know, the, the, the long, thin ones. They only have a few connections. They're still just as important. Uh, but but they just have a few connections, and we're to, be, to realize that we're part of the family of God. And some of you, you can invite the whole world to your family for dinner, and that's great. Some of you going like, <sighs> Just breathe. <clears throat> Especially if you're an introvert, breathe. I know it's difficult. My wife and I are very different. I'm more of an extrovert, and she's more of a... Yeah, and uh, (laughs) she's helped me understand that world uh, and and understand that we all have different snaps. The thing that that Jesus is saying is here is that save some snaps for the larger family of God. Don't just be exclusive, but save some snaps. Uh, snaps. As an introvert, save a few snaps for some other people. An extrovert, yeah, save some snaps for other people and leave yourself open for that opportunity. Be inclusive, not exclusive. Don't always try to protect your family time like that. Open it up a little bit and include some others and you'll have a a wonderful bouquet of, of understanding God more and even a sense of greater communication and understanding love more and it'll be wonderful for you. And as we said, not everyone is family. For family is living out God's will. Look at the last few verses and listen to Jesus. After he asked that question, who are my mother and my brothers? He says, or it says and, and looking around with those who sat around him, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother, You know, there's a major dramatic pause here that Mark is pulling out. When he says, you know, and looking about, you can just almost picture the, the room just grows silent as Jesus is about to say something, but instead he kind of scans the crowd. Long, pregnant pause. You know the master's gonna say something amazing here. It's probably gonna be revolutionary. And you're hanging on the edge of your seat, and he says... Here are my mother and my brother. Jesus is about to say this radical, revolutionary thing. He's saying that what makes family is not bloodline or choice in marriage. It is to be founded on those who seek to live out God's will. And his will is centered on Jesus sitting at his feet. He says, you all are family. It's not as narrow as you think it is. See, see, people were so into this thing. I'm a I'm a you know, Father Abraham is my father. We're in the bloodline of Abraham. Therefore, we're a blessed nation. And they had forgot the part that faith that, that this whole connection with God was based on faith. It was reckoned unto Abraham as faith. That's where his righteousness came from, not on the fact that he happened to be chosen of God or part of this chosen um, Family, this Israeli family, this family from Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and this whole uh, nation. It was all about faith. Jesus again is expanding the family to mean all those who are faithful followers. He wants to unseat that notion that the deeper needs of life are found in our families. Our families are great. But we need to be part of God's family. And even in that, our deeper needs are still to be met and sought in Christ. Like the sense of belonging. Second Peter 2 Peter 2.9 says that, that we are a, a, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. Once we were not a people, but now we are a people. Because of what Christ has done. And our family should be a place of belonging where we know that we have, we, people know our name, and we have this sense of, of growing up together, and that sense of belonging, but always pointing us back to the source of belonging in Christ. See, our family shouldn't be all about just our family. Well, because you have this family name, then you're something. No, you're something because of what Jesus has done. He has made you something, a royal priesthood, a holy nation of people belonging to God. In the same way, security. I love Colossians 3, 3. it says we are hidden in, with Christ in God. That's our security. Yes, families give us that sense of security and love. But that love should reflect God's great love through the family to us. And we should be pointed back that the greatest acceptance and security is found not in our immediate family, but in, actually in God. In Christ. And the same thing for our identity. I love Ephesians 1.5. It says that God in, in advance chose us to be adopted as sons through Jesus. Our family does shape who we see ourselves to be. Yet our true identity is found in Jesus. And so we should constantly remind each other of who we are in Christ. See, living the dream is being in community, living out God's will. And many of you have sensed that when you've been on a missions trip or, or an intense worship service or, or on a ministry team or a great Bible study or in, or in a life group. There's that sense of community where we're all centered around living faithfully God's will, and there's that sense of connection that you sense, wow, we're family. See, it's broadening our idea of family. Family not excluding our nuclear family, but enfolding in the family of Christ. Family is living out God's will. You see, whether we come from a a great family where, boy, we have found a lot in that family. It's a wonderful, beautiful family of great love and joy. Or whether we've come from an awful family where we struggle with all the different things of life because of that family, In either of those cases, it's so easy to be exclusive and to seek our core needs from our sense of family. However, living the dream is to be in Christ, expanding our sense of family and seeing that family is centered on Jesus, that family is inclusive, that family is living out God's will. Let's keep encouraging each other to be living out that dream. Jumping and getting involved with maybe just a few more snaps (laughs) and not be so exclusive and so protective to be a little more open in that, to expand our view of church family. Family is a lot bigger than we think. Would you pray with me? Father God, thank you for just the challenge even this morning to um, find our sense of belonging and security and, and family in you rather than the immediate family. And yet, Lord, thanks for all to the challenge to encourage us to open up a few snaps, a few opportunities to be family with others, to not be so exclusive, but be inclusive. There's a lot we can learn from other people in that, God. Help us in that. Help us live that dream. We pray in your son's name. Amen.